Hello. Yeah, we want to we want to stir up um, what's happening in that realm of healing. I mean, we can't watch a, a movie like we watched a couple of Monday nights ago and not stir into that a whole lot more. Um, one of the observations, just to follow on from Deb, is if you're in the room on the night, you could be forgiven for thinking that nothing happened. So we said, yeah, is anyone experiencing anything? Not a word. Nothing. Not a word. No one said a thing. And yeah, we prayed again. Anyone? No one said a word. Afterwards, a whole lot of people came up to her and said, yeah, the pain in my leg is gone. The, um, another one had tinnitus ringing in the ears. Um, and it went from you know, 100% down to about 40%. And he's like, I am absolutely blown away. I'm like, you could have said something before. <laughs> Here's why, and this is something I want us to really get in our culture. When God does something, we need to testify to it. Because if you're in that room that night, you would be forgiven for thinking that nothing happened. Because we said, has anyone got anything happening? Silence. So your average person would walk out of the room going, we prayed and nothing happened. But that's not what actually happened on the night. A whole lot happened on the night. But because we don't testify, it actually gives room for unbelief to grow. Because we have this repeated pattern where we think we pray and nothing happens. But that's not what happened. Is this making sense? Like this is super important for a culture where we, where we set the atmosphere for God um, doing stuff. And one of the things that Deb just said is the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. In simple terms, that means this. When we testify what Jesus has done, contained within that word testimony is the, is the meaning to do again or to do over. So the spirit of prophecy is when we testify to something that God has done, it prophesies to the atmosphere in such a way that it makes it possible for that thing to happen again for somebody else. Thank you for the loud amens and you know, nods of agreement there. That's, that's good. We're, we're on fire here. Um, say it again. Say it again. All right, I will. I'll say it three times if I have to. Contained within the word testimony, in the, original, in the original language, contained within the word testimony is the word to do again. In fact, if you go back, the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament, which contained the word of God, um, it was often called the Ark of the Testimony, and the Ark of the Testimony contained the record of what God had done. And Awesome. Siri's looking it up for me. She's given me a whole lot of references. So the Ark of the Testimony contained the record of what God had done. And when the Ark of the Testimony was brought into a place, the glory of the Lord came and God said, touch that thing, I'll kill you. <laughs> that, that's another message. But <sighs> thankfully we live on this side of the cross where when the glory of God comes, we can actually live um, and stand. Um, and that is a good thing. But contained within the meaning of the word testimony means to do again. And if the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, when we testify to what Jesus has done, you know, tinnitus ringing in the ears went from 100% down to 40%. It prophesies to the atmosphere, do it again, God, so that someone else who had tinnitus, a couple of things happen. They receive a prophetic declaration into the atmosphere that makes that possible. But their faith grows because, oh, someone else got healed of that. I could get healed of that too. Is this making sense? So it is so important if we are going to build a culture where we want God to do breakthrough stuff is when he does, we need to testify about it.
Otherwise, we create an atmosphere that fuels unbelief because our data, in terms of what we say, says we walk out of the room, we prayed for a whole lot of things, nothing happened. Am I bringing a correction here? Yes, I am. I see that hand. Go ahead. Come on. Okay, everyone, shh, let's check this. And especially given you've just had in ears in, that's pretty amazing. Come on. Case in point. Did you see that? (laughs) The thing with tinnitus is when the room's noisy, you can't tell. You have to have quiet, um, which is why it keeps you awake at night because it's nice and quiet. Another one. Yeah. Did everyone hear that? And I'm just going to say it for the sake of the live stream as well. Come on. Okay, I'm going to say that again for the sake of the live stream as well. Hello if you're there. Um, Eilish, just, so Eilish just had tinnitus ringing in the ears since she was 18 because she had dental, work, dental surgery done and it touched a nerve and you've woken up every morning with ringing in the ears. Or during the night, the loud noise. Yeah. So when, when did it shift? Well, I've only just realised. You've just realised now. Wow. Since since that since the movie night. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So he, if if you're in a situation where you can't check it out, so yay God. Sorry, firstly, big yay God. Come on. Come on. I mean, if you've never had that ringing in the ears, it's really flippant annoying. It is unbelievably annoying. And for some, when it's really bad, it's really debilitating. And this, he had had this, the gentleman who was here, who had the healing on um, last Monday, two weeks ago, he'd had it since he was 18 as well. Interesting. Mm, okay, interesting. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, um, if you have something happen, coming, I see that hand. <laughs> um, if you have something happen, but you can't testify on the night, we have a Facebook group. Get on there and say, hey, I couldn't test it out on the night, but this is what I've noticed since then. And put it out there. We need to share the testimonies. Bella. Come on. So... <laughs> Let, let, me, let me say it again so that the recording and the, and the stream can hear it. Um, Bella's had a blood pressure issue that she's been treated for. For how long? It's been a while, hey? Quite a while. Since that night you got prayed for, it's been a whole lot better, yeah? Haven't been getting dizzy spells. Come on. Is that at all encouraging when you hear this stuff? Come on. This is the kind of culture, the culture of testimony is the culture where stuff happens by accident. Like, we didn't pray for Jen, and all of a sudden she realises, hang on. You got, yeah. 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 It's gone. You kind of know you're healed of something when you're looking for it, and it's like, surely it's there and you can't find it. So that's the first thing I just wanted to say is, it's so important that we build a culture of testimony. And sometimes... You know, when we pray for people who are in pain, let's say they're at an 8 out of 10, it comes down to a 7 out of 10. And often they they say, oh, no, the pain's still there. I go, yeah, but has it changed? 
well, it is a little bit less. So it actually has changed. Oh, yeah, but it's still there. Like, hang on, hang on, hold. Okay, I get that it's still there, but you just said it was an eight, now it's at a seven, yeah? Okay, we're getting somewhere. So what we do in that moment is we stop and we thank God for what he is doing. And we say, God, more. Philippians 1.6, it says, it says something good. <laughs> there it is, it's, it's back. He who began a good work in you will see it through to completion. So when he begins a healing work in you, he, that's his promise, he will see it through. So what we do is we go, okay, thank you, God. It's gone from eight to seven. Now, in Jesus' name, we command that pain to go again. Then we check it out again. Oh, it's at a five now. Okay, we're moving. I'm going to tell a couple of stories about that in just a moment. But you get the idea. We want to focus on what God is doing, not what he's not. We want to focus on what is happening, not what's not. And we want to create a culture of testimony so that when stuff happens, we know about it and it builds the atmosphere of faith. I mean, the number of times people come up to us after the meeting and go, oh, this happened and this happened. When we asked in the meeting and it's like nothing and we're walking out going, well, nothing happened there. But apparently it did. That's what we want to change. Okay, now... If you've got a Bible there, crack open to Isaiah 53. It's like, Isaiah, where the heck is that? That's the Old Testament. I know. I wanted to stir in this, this area of healing um, for a few moments. And I'd, I've been rereading the Gospels again since our holidays um, over Easter. And it has stood out to me so loud and so clear Again, that the way that Jesus demonstrated the kingdom and brought the kingdom was through healing and deliverance. If you look at the primary manifestations of the kingdom, when Jesus was around, he healed people and he delivered people. Yes, he preached the good news. He declared stuff. But as he declared stuff, it shifted stuff, meaning that people got healed, people got delivered. And it is time that we got that so clear in us that a gospel that is void of power is not the gospel. And that us going after miracles, us going after healing and deliverance is not about us wanting a flashy good show. It's about a whole lot more. I'm going to come back to that one in a moment. 1 Corinthians 4.20, and I am coming to Isaiah 53, I promise. 1 Corinthians 4.20, Paul said, The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. I think the Western church is known for talking a lot, not always known for a lot of power. I don't know if you noticed... um, there's been power issues over the last few weeks where there is not enough power in the grid to meet the demand. Do you see a parallel here at all? There has not been enough power in the church to meet the demand in the world, so they fill their life with other stuff. They go to New Age, they go to psychics, they go to mediums because at least something's happening there. It is critical in this day and age where everyone can be so rational and so um, sceptical that demonstrations of power follow us. Otherwise, we're not being like Jesus. We often think of being like Jesus as a moral imperative. You know, I don't swear, I don't cuss, I don't drink too much, I don't, you know. Well, okay, they're all okay things. But how about being like Jesus is we demonstrate power that we're filled with compassion and we heal the sick. We're filled with love and we, I'll come to more of that in a moment. Okay, Isaiah 53. There's a couple of things that I want to say about healing. And when I say a couple, I mean three. You know, there's three kinds of people, those who can count and those who can't. You got it. <coughs> that was the joke. Thank you for 
Yes, it was a dad joke, but there had to be one in here somewhere. Okay, Isaiah chapter 53. If you're not familiar with this chapter, this is one of the key, what we call messianic prophecies, where it is talking about what Jesus will do, the sacrifice that he will make and what that will accomplish. And this is prophesied some 740 years prior to Jesus coming and walking the earth. Isaiah 53 verse 4 says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds or by his stripes, depending on the version you have, we are healed. Back at verse 4, surely he took up our pain. That word pain literally means sickness or infirmity. It's speaking of physical conditions. Um, and then it says, and when he, he bore our suffering, that is a combination of physical and mental anguish. So he paid a price for our physical pain, he paid a price for our sickness, and he paid a price for our mental or emotional pain. And it says, he was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds or by his stripes, we are healed. Um, what, what I want to get across here is that healing is in the atonement. Jesus paid for it on the cross. It's not like a bonus extra of the cross he dealt with sin and if we get a few people healed, well, that's a bit of a bonus. That, that, that was an extra. No, it's in the atonement. It's in the core of the atonement prophesied by Isaiah 740 years before Jesus came. And where it says there in verse five, by his wounds or by his stripes, we are healed. Without going into all, you know, too much of the, of the gruesome because I know the kids are in the room. Um, as a part of when Jesus was suffering and going to the cross, he was whipped with um, a whip called the cat of nine tails. And this thing was, um, I guess, I'll be careful, but this, this was a whip that had stones, bones, all sorts of jagged stuff in it that would, you can imagine if you whip someone with that, the sort of damage that it will do. And we often, I mean, we don't often think of that, but that caused his back to be covered in stripes. Like it literally stripes across your back and it gets pretty gruesome in terms of when they, the number of times that they did that. But it says, by his stripes, we are healed. So he wasn't just being beaten in that moment. In that moment, he was making a payment for our bodies. He was making a payment for our bodies in that moment. That The atonement didn't begin when he was nailed to the cross. It began before then. It was ultimately completed on the cross. That by his wounds, we are healed. Yes, but the original language actually says by his stripes, by, by that beating, the cat of nine tails, he made a payment for our bodies. This is what I want us to get, is that healing is in the atonement. It was paid for at the cross. It's not a bonus extra. That's number one. Number two, healing happens in a number of different ways. I want to tell you a couple of stories. Um, and I've got some epic fails as well as some really cool stuff. Um, I've got some epic <laughs> Where I began this journey of healing, I remember I was speaking at a friend's church over in Seven Hills, um, and I'd given an altar call for something, I can't remember what, and someone came up and said, um, oh, I, I've got this problem in my arm, I need healing. You want to know what my faith-filled response was? I don't have a great record with healing, <laughs> but I'd be happy to pray for you. 
Yeah, I'll wrap that filled the room with faith right now. And look, according to my faith, it was unto me at that moment in time. I can, that wasn't just something happened. He didn't say nothing happened. Absolutely nothing. Um, I, I had... I was willing to do it, but I really, honestly, I had no faith. And by the words that I spoke, I actually undermined the very thing that I was praying for. That, that, that's kind of where my journey began. Not a great start. I'm probably starting in the negative a little bit there. Let me tell you a cool story. Um, we were over um, Sutherland Shire Way um, with a team, and actually Carissa, who was here a couple of weeks ago, was actually there that night. Um, with us, and we just had an absolute hoot of a night, um, and part of our job was to come and just bring healing and, you know, just do the kingdom stuff. It was an absolute hoot. At one point, we, I think we prayed a prayer over everyone, and then we released people to pray for each other. It's like, um, I think we, we'd done some, that's right, we'd done some words of knowledge, like we did at the end of the night on Monday night a couple of weeks ago. We'd called out some words of knowledge, and anyone who had them... Um, stand up, and then people went to them and started praying for them, we gave them instructions on how to pray. And one of the things is, what we don't do is go, oh, Lord, you know how wonderful this person is. And you know, it's like, God knows that already. Jesus never prayed that way. He spoke to the condition. So he said, what we want you to do is simply speak to the condition. And so we released them to do that. And I'm just watching all of this happen. I'm, you know, it's a room not much wider than this, probably a fair bit deeper. And just kind of, just in sort of next to where Aaron is just here, I could see a woman going like this. And I'm thinking, that's a little odd. Why would someone be doing that? And I just said, you're okay, what's happening there? And she goes, I can't do this. <laughs> While she's doing it, right? She goes, I can't do this. I'm like, what do you mean? She has, like, literally, I have not been able to do this for years. And she started to unpack some of her story. She said um, she had come from a very, very abusive, dysfunctional marriage. Her husband had literally thrown her against the wall um, on many occasions. And she had suffered neurological damage as a result. And so there were a whole lot of things neurologically she just could not do. And she's there going, I can't do this. But I'm doing it. Like, she is in shock. And I said, what happened? And she goes, well, I reached out to pray for someone. And I felt this power shoot down my arm through my hand. And now I can do all these things that I couldn't do. And I'm like, that is incredible. And so we got her up to testify. What I didn't find out till later, her neurologist, as in her neurological doctor, was in the room and goes to that church. And at the end of the night, he said, okay, come here, let me do a few tests on you. And he, he did a few simple neurological tests because he knew her exact condition. He had all the scans. He knew the whole lot got her to do the varying different things that you do. And he goes, if you can do those things, you are completely healed. Like verified by the doctor in the room on the night. And I went to that church a number of times after that and caught up with her every time. Like, how are you doing? She's like, I'm doing amazing. And not only, like she had disqualified herself from ministry because of what happened in, you know, in her marriage. So God, God not only healed her body, healed her neurology, but healed her heart that night called her back into ministry and she within months she was on staff at that church and living her dream wow. like come on that that this is why we do this stuff like that beats a good message any day of the week right and, and but it almost happened by accident she was praying for someone else and she got something in the blowback <laughs> and not only healed her body but God also healed her heart like that that's like a really cool success story. And sometimes those things just happen. Sometimes we hear testimonies in the room, bang, right here, right now. We didn't even pray for that. We love those. It doesn't always happen like that. Remember I was speaking um, at a church one night 
and I had a word of knowledge about someone with a problem in their hip. Left hip. I'm just re- I remember her where she put her hand. I'm, I couldn't remember what I said, but I remember if I faced the other way. Yeah, it was her left hip. Um, and so I got, has anyone got a problem with their left hip? And she, she stood up. And I said, are you okay if we pray? And she said yes, but I could tell by the look on her face, she was like, nothing's going to happen, but I'll humour you. Like, <laughs> it was just, it was, it was quite clear. Anyway, so we prayed. Um, like we've been taught to pray, we just spoke to the condition, we prayed, and I said, how is it? She goes, no different, nothing. I'm like, all right, we're going to pray again. We prayed again, prayed exactly the same way. How is it now? Nothing, no different. I'm like, all right, I'm not giving up. We're going to pray again. We prayed again. And then she goes, it's gone. <laughs> like, I said, you didn't think that was going to happen, did you? She goes, no. I was like, how is it? She's like, the pain is complete. I'm, it's gone. It's done. It's healed. Here's the point. Sometimes things happen in a moment and things happen easily. Sometimes we have to keep at it. Sometimes we have to persevere. Doesn't always, I can't tell you why it doesn't always shift the first time. What I know is that Jesus had to play for, pray for a blind person more than once. Remember, he, he was, I don't think this was the mud because it's kind of hard to see when you've got mud spat in your eyes. Um, but he prayed for someone once and... and, and what, huh? This was the spit in the eye one. I just, yeah, um, that story cracks me up. Like, you come for healing, you can't see, and all you hear is, <laughs> you're thinking, I don't know if this is what I turned up for, right? <laughs> you know I won't. That would need to be, anyway, Jesus says, what's happening? And he says, I can see, um, I can see men like trees. So he went from completely blind, and this is Jesus praying for him, Right? <laughs> Completely blind to, I see men like trees. Jesus prays for him again, he gets completely healed. So if Jesus has to pray for someone more than once, it's good enough for me. I reckon I might have to. Sometimes we've got to push through the unbelief. And there was, there was unbelief. she was as cynical and as like, this is not going to happen, but I'll humor you, um, as you could be. But keeping at it, she got the surprise of her life. Sometimes we have to persist. So when we, when we pray once and we go, okay, has anything happened? And no one says anything. We go, right, we're going to pray again. There's a reason. More, we, we have so many times people get healed on the third, third, fourth or fifth time that we pray. So we don't give up. Jesus talks about persisting in prayer. So, hey, sometimes people get healed by accident despite us. So, this was late night. It was at a conference. It was probably 10.30 at night. I was exhausted. And I could see this person coming toward me. And I knew they're going to want prayer for healing of something. And I'm like, yeah, confessions of a bad pastor here, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm looking for an escape. I'm thinking there's got to be something I have to do over here. Like, there's nothing. I, I had nowhere to go. I was just stuck. And he comes up and he goes, I've injured my shoulder playing baseball. I am really, really sore. Would you mind praying for me? And of course, you know, being nice, I said, yes, of course. What I was really thinking was, I just want to go home. I am really, really tired. So honestly, I put my hand on his shoulder and I did the most token healing prayer I, I, can, I can recall ever. I'm, again, I'm being honest. It's like, oh, Jesus, would you heal his shoulder? 
And I was prepared to go, anything? No, all right, let's go home. We'll pray again tomorrow. <laughs> as I put my hand on his shoulder, I was like, my hand starts getting hot as anything. And one of the things we've learned is heat is good. So often when, when healing is being ministered or when the presence of the Spirit is being ministered to, either you feel the heat in your hands or the person being re- receiving the ministry feels heat in their body wherever you're praying or wherever God is working. My hand got hot as anything. Like this wasn't just, I'm a little flushed, you know, maybe I need a drink and a sleep. No, it was like hot. And I'm like, can you feel that? He's like, oh my gosh, yes. And I'm like, well, check out your arm. And pr- basically he couldn't lift it beyond about here. And he just goes, yeah, I couldn't do that. (laughs) And like God healed him in that moment despite my, honestly, confession, trying to fob him off, um, trying to kind of get this over and done with and get out of the way. And God showed up and surprised him and surprised the heck out of me if if I'm really honest as well. Sometimes it happens in stages as we talked about the stages thing. Um, I was down in Berry, which is down, to, you know, beyond the Southern Highlands, South Coast. Um, we were there at a Baptist church for the weekend, and God was doing some really, really cool stuff all through the weekend. And there was a guy there, um, and I noticed during worship, he was kind of, yeah, in the middle, kind of next to where the bellows are, in the middle of the aisle. He was sitting there, um, and during worship, he wouldn't, yeah, he didn't stand up. He just sat and. I can't remember how I came to pray for him. If I, I, my vague recollection, I remember what happened. I just don't remember how it started. I think it was some people brought him up to me and said, can you pray for his back? And he had injured his back. He'd been in the building industry and um, his back was just really, really bad. That he was, I think he was in line for surgery, but he was just in pain. I said, you know, out of 10, if 10 is excruciating, almost unbearable, zero is nothing, how much pain are you in? He's like, about eight out of 10. Um, and, you know, standing up like this is really, really bad. So, all right, well, let's pray. And um, it was about here, so I put my hand here, of course, with his permission, and, um, and we just started to speak to it. And he goes, actually, that feels really good there, but now it hurts here. I'm like, hmm, okay, interesting. All right, let's pray again. So I put my hand where it hurts and commanded that to go, and he goes, it doesn't hurt there anymore, now it hurts over here. I was like, so you're telling me every time we pray the pain moves? It's like, yeah, that's exactly what's happening. I'm like, gotcha. So one of the things that we know is um, you see in the Gospels a thing called a spirit of infirmity. When Jesus drove out a spirit of infirmity or a spirit of sickness out of somebody. And what we know is that quite often um, pain is a result of a demon, of a spirit. And when you speak to that thing, when you pray for physical healing, it moves around because it doesn't have the right to stay where it was because we prayed over that spot, but then it tries to move to somewhere else. So I'm like, right, gotcha. So I said, okay, we're going to pray. We're going to stop praying for healing. We're going to start nailing this spirit of infirmity. So I said, in the name of Jesus, I break the power of this spirit of infirmity. And he's like, like the pain just dropped instantly. And then I, um, I had a sense that this is something that had been in his family line as well. So I said, has this been in your family? Like, has your family got back? Oh, yeah, my dad's got back used, his dad before him. All of us have got back used. I'm like, right, this is a generational spirit. And so we prayed again in the name of Jesus. We break the generational inheritance, you know, from his, because Genesis talks about the sins of the fathers are passed to the third and fourth generation. But God's kindness is to a thousand. 
And so we break that. In Jesus' name, we said, in Jesus' name, I break that generational inheritance of this infirmity and this issue around backs. We break it right now in Jesus' name. And it's like all the pain is gone. So in about, this all took about 10 minutes. He went from eight out of 10 pain where he couldn't stand up in worship to he's walking around. He is completely, completely pain-free. That's good news, right? Now, sometimes we think about this too much. I don't know if Josh is going to remember this. I can't even remember where we were, but someone asked me to pray for healing. Where I'm going here is sometimes us big people think about stuff too much. We analyse stuff way too much and we analyse ourselves out of a miracle. Yeah, should I be doing it like this? Should I be doing it like that? But Jesus did this, but should I do that? And we, we overthink it and we, we rob the power right out of it. But sometimes the faith of a child matters and the faith of a child brings breakthrough. And I prayed for this person and I couldn't shift it. But Josh was nearby and I said, look, I can't seem to shift this thing. Josh, come over here. I think you're about, I don't know, seven or eight at the time. I said, Josh, can you pray for them? I reckon it's going to shift. And sure enough, Josh prayed for them. They got healed in the moment. I don't know if you remember this at all, but you're about eight, eight, nine. I, that's where I, I remember who it was. I remember, I'm not going to say it now because I haven't asked for that person's permission. Um, I will tell you after. Um, seeing you were there. But um, sometimes we overthink it and talk ourselves out of the mirror. And I just knew, faith of a child, he won't overanalyze it. Sure enough, I couldn't shift it, but he did. So what I want us to understand is that healing happens in different ways. It comes in different ways. It's not always immediately pray, it's gone. Sometimes we've got to pray multiple times. Sometimes there's stuff of the enemy involved. Sometimes it happens by accident. But whatever happens, one of the reasons we want to go for this, and I came across this again a few weeks ago and um, in the Passion Translation from Luke chapter 7. Um, and this is where um, John is in prison and John's disciples are reporting back to John all the stuff that's happening around Jesus. And John sends them essentially to go to Jesus and go, are you the, one, are you the Messiah or should we be expecting someone else? Jesus essentially doesn't answer them, but he goes and heals people. And then you know, he says to them, um, now go and tell John all that you've seen and heard. The blind see, the lepers are cleansed, um, and yada, yada, yada. Um, now, in verse 21, I love the way the Passion Translation puts this. He says, without answering, and words, without answering John's disciples, Jesus turned to the, the crowd and healed many of their incurable diseases. This is the statement I love. His miracle power freed many from their suffering." That's what this is about. That's what us going for healing is about. It's about freeing people from suffering. Jesus purchased that on the cross. Surely he took up our suffering. He carried our sorrows. That is what this is about. It's not just so that we have a fun show. I mean, I'm a fan of a fun show. Don't get me wrong. It's better than a boring one. But the reason we go for this is because we want to see people freed from suffering. Now, here's where I want to land us. So, number one was it's in the atonement. Number two, it comes in a whole lot of different ways. Number three, if we don't understand how his kingdom works, it sets us up for disappointment, and disappointment is fertile soil for unbelief. What do I mean? The onus is on us to learn how his kingdom operates. So I pay a lot of attention when people do get healed, when people don't get healed. What's the difference? I, I, like um, 
one of the people, one of the people whose teaching we love talks about being a spiritual scientist. I've just... I like to observe the stuff of the supernatural. When do things get healed? When do they not? So when we say quite often people get healed on the third, fourth, fifth time, it's because we pay attention to that stuff because we want to understand how this thing works. So imagine, like most people who know me know, I just deeply love technology, um, whether it's musical technology, whether it's, you know, good Apple products, you know, w- whatever. Hey? Well, there's that too. That's another story. Um, but let, let's say, for example, so musical gear in particular. Um, like the, the, this thing down here. I won't go into all the things that it does and doesn't do because in part, I don't know all the things that it does and doesn't do. But when I first got this, I didn't know how to work it. I didn't know how it worked. And I could play around and I couldn't get it to do what I wanted. And what I could easily do in that moment is go, you know what? That thing doesn't work. I'm going to stop. Now, since reading the manual, which guys never do, I now have a better idea how it works. And now, miraculously, it does what I want it to do. Did it change? No, it didn't change. (laughs) You had a 50-50 chance there. (laughs) I learned how this thing worked. But when we don't understand how something works and we can't get it to do what we want it to do, we tend to go, well, that just doesn't work. So when we don't understand how healing operates in the kingdom, if we don't understand how the kingdom of God operates and therefore we don't see stuff happening, it gives rise to unbelief because we go, well, it just doesn't work. I've prayed for so many people and no one's been healed. This must not work. As distinct from going... I haven't worked out how this thing works yet because I was going to go pick up my actual Bible, but I realized I've got it all on the device. In this case, the manual says it works. The the manual says it's in the atonement. The manual says this is the normal Christian life. So if it's not happening, that's on me. That's not on him. Jesus never had a situation where he came across and went, yeah, that one's beyond me. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) What he did have, Mark chapter 7, if I remember the reference rightly, in Nazareth was a situation where even his ability to do miracles was shut down. You've probably heard me talk about this many times. You know, a prophet is without it. The verse where it says, you know, um, they were amazed at his teaching. They said, hang on, isn't that Joseph's boy? Aren't his brothers here with us? And it says, and they took offence at him. In other words, they're like, hang on, we know this guy. He's grown up in our town. And then it says, and Jesus marvelled at their lack of faith. Well, the word there is actually unbelief because unbelief is a thing that's different to a lack of faith. Jesus didn't chasten people. If you look at the language, not for lack of faith, he did chasten them for unbelief. Because when someone came to him and said, Lord, will you increase my faith? He's like, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can tell that mountain to go jump in the lake and it will. But when unbelief had grown, that's when things shut down. So he was in an atmosphere of corporate unbelief. And it says he could only lay his hands on a few sick people and they would be healed. Like I said, that would be our best meeting. You've heard me say that many, many times. But the unbelief that was present in the atmosphere shut down even Jesus. What do you reckon it's going to do to us? 
So the onus is on us is to understand how his kingdom works, how faith works in relation to healing. And therefore, what we feed ourselves on, we feed ourselves on testimony. We feed ourselves on who Jesus is and what he's done. And one of the things he says is in John 14, 12, the things that I do, you will do. And then he said, the one that we're using, and greater things will you do because I go to the Father. But let's just stop at the beginning. The things that I do, you will do. I'm not there yet. I said, I've had some, had some cool things happen. I've seen more than I ever thought I would see. It's not enough. I had a period where just about, well, literally every terminal person I prayed for died. I don't think it was in direct result of my prayer. <laughs> really hope not. But I got no breakthrough on those things. Jesus never had that problem. He ruined every funeral he went to. Think about it. That was sort of a little joke, but it's true. Because the person was no longer dead. The things that I do, you will do. And greater things will you do. I haven't even got to the things I do, you will do yet. And he said greater things. There is a whole lot of country we haven't seen in this area, folks. And I don't know about you, but I want to see it. Not just for the fun of it, although, hey, I love seeing God at work. He's amazing at what he does. What's better than just, oh, someone got healed, is seeing a person set free from their suffering. That's the cool stuff. When, you know, I've laid awake night after night with this ringing in my ears, and all of a sudden I can sleep soundly. To the person who has it, you might go, oh, that's not really that big a deal, unless you're the person who has it. During the week, we were praying with, with a bunch of us, and one of, the, one of the words that was coming out is this sense that trauma in so many ways has defined a generation, but from here on in, joy will be the thing that marks and defines the emerging generation. In other words, he is going to turn their trauma, turn our trauma, like if you like, change our DNA from a trauma-based one to a joy-based one. There's an example in Acts chapter 8, and we're going to land any second now. In Acts chapter 8, in Samaria, Acts chapter 8, 4 to 8, where Philip, the evangelist, was in Samaria. Philip's the guy that gets into the chariot and just supernaturally gets transported somewhere else. Like, that's freaky. Like, seriously. That's, that's, that's way out there. Jesus never, well, Jesus did walk through a crowd. He did walk through a wall. I don't know if he had, you know, that whole supernatural transportation. Jesus never had his shadow heal someone. Peter did greater things. But it says in, um, I think, verse 8 of Acts chapter 8, it says, there was great joy in that city. Why? Because so many people were set free from their suffering. How cool would it be if the testimony of Rouse Hill and, this, and, and the Hills region was there was great joy in that city? Because the people of God got a revelation of what's actually in the atonement, what's actually in the book. It's in the instruction manual. It's been sitting there the whole time. And if we start to unpack it, then we're going to shift some things. Here's the thing. I feel like for some of us, the number of disappointments that we have had when we've prayed for stuff and they haven't happened have not been processed effectively and fully. And as such, it has given fertile soil for unbelief. Disappointment is the soil that unbelief grows in. 
Disappointment is when God didn't do what I thought he was, what I wanted him to do or what I thought he would do. Now, is there mystery in this realm? Absolutely. <clears throat> there is more that we don't understand than what we do. But what I will not do is sacrifice the goodness of God that I know on the altar of what I don't understand yet. For some of us, that disappointment is built this cynicism that just says, yeah, that won't happen. Well, you can pray if you like, but nothing will happen. Disappointment is the soil that's grown in. And what I want to do, I want to pray for us for a moment and just ask if that is, if that is anyone in this room or anyone watching on the stream, that God would show you the moment when that disappointment entered into your heart and would heal you back at that moment. See, Jesus is not bound by time. We see this in prayer ministry all the time. So often he takes us back to that moment and he heals us back there and restores a whole lot of things from there forward. So I want to pray that. Jesus, I ask right now for any of us in this room where we have unprocessed disappointment, where we, we have prayed, we have asked, we have even fasted, we have sought you, and things didn't work out the way that we hoped. Things didn't work out the way that we thought. Maybe we stepped out on something. We stepped out on a scripture or a promise and we fell flat on our face in some way. And, and we felt ashamed or embarrassed. And, and we vowed, I'll never do that again. That's disappointment. Maybe for some of you, there is something that still hasn't broken through, but you've given up praying. Because sometimes just keep praying for that. It's just too hard. It's too painful. There's a couple of examples in Scripture where God shows up and says to someone, the prayer that you no longer pray has been answered. In other words, you stopped praying for this years ago. You gave up. But God's showing up now, and he's answering that. Father, I want to ask right now that you administer to every wound of disappointment. God, that you would take us to that moment. And if this is you, I just want you to, if you're getting a clear picture of that moment, I want you to say, Jesus, I want to invite you into that moment with me. Would you come and be here in this moment with me? See, when something's painful, Jesus doesn't turn up and rebuke and kick and smash he turns up with love and compassion and gentleness and he sits there in that moment with you but then I simply want you to ask Jesus how did you see this moment Jesus how do you see it Some of you, I feel like he's saying, I'm just so proud that you had a go. You know, we, we think that we have to get everything right. And, but, you know, like our kids when they're learning to walk, they get up, have a go, they fall flat on their face. They cry because they you know, smash their nose on the ground or whatever. 
And it would be a seriously dysfunctional parent that would go, well, that's it, there's your chance. You messed it up. No, we help them up, clean them off, and go, good on you for having a go. Let's have another go. See, he's a good and loving father. I don't know who that's for, but I feel like that's for somebody. That he's just shifting your perspective on what happened. And you think, but nothing happened. And the father's just going, I'm so proud of you for stepping out. See, we seem to only celebrate the result, whereas he celebrates the attempt. Some of it involves grief and pain and your, your unprocessed grief and the pain of that moment are all kind of locked in together. And so when I go to pray for someone, it's like this wall of grief comes at you and go, I just speak over you the grace to grieve and to, and to finish that grieving process so that you can engage your heart with the Father's heart again around this stuff. You know, my own dad got healed of a brain tumour and then relapsed. It's pretty damn disappointing. But again, I will not sacrifice what I know of the goodness of God on the altar of what I don't understand. I will not stop praying. Father, I ask that you would put upon us a fresh spirit of boldness to take you at your word. And the hunger to learn and to understand more of how your kingdom operates so that we can cooperate with the way that you work. And we just say yes, Father, to the increase of your manifest presence, your manifest power, so that it will be the testimony of our region that many were set free from their suffering. Many were set free from their suffering, whether it be physical, whether it be emotional, anxiety, depression, whether it be disease, whether it be cancer, injury, um, childhood trauma, whatever it is, let it be the testimony of our region. There was great joy because many, many, many were freed from their suffering because of what you did. We give you permission. Turn up our boldness. In Jesus' name, amen.